All right, well, we want to welcome you to uh, the, the Going Places podcast. Of course, your host, Camden Clark Hill, episode 95. First of all, I just want to thank everyone who listened last week. That was a big episode for us, uh, one I thoroughly enjoyed, one of my favorites yet, uh, with Charlie and Holly. We enjoyed that. Uh, just shout out to them. Be sure I was on their podcast this week as well, the episode, if you want to listen again. Uh, it's on the Speak Jesus podcast, and uh, go ahead and check it out, and we might have some... Uh, uh, listeners of their podcast and now, so be sure to just check them out, uh, follow them. But I'm especially excited about today. Uh, we have another uh, excellent episode for you. Uh, someone who uh, I got to meet recently and uh, is just doing some truly incredible work in our community and with different businesses and things like that. And it's just very inspiring as far as content creation goes as well. And uh, he's lived a full life, so I'm excited to be talking with him today. Uh, Brian Zick, thank you for being on. Hey, Kim, thanks for having me, man. I'm looking forward to this. This could be fun. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, how do you introduce somebody who does everything? I, I think the answer <laughs> is you don't. You let them do it. So, sure. So, um, Brian Zig. Everybody knows me as Zig. I always say, if you just say Zig, people know who it is. If you say yeah. Brian, you got to explain Brian who. Uh, but Zig is actually a shortened version. Of my last name, which is Zigglehafer, so I say I took twelve letters, shortened it down to three, and made it easy on everyone. Yeah, yeah. So uh, do a lot of different things in the community, uh, from uh, begin the business incubator downtown that has been up and running now for we're about to hit year eight, to um, on the leadership team for Windshape Camps here in town and the board for Jerusalem Projects, uh, special needs. Um, just a little bit of everything here and there. I own my own creative company along with my wife, uh, the Ziggs Creative. So um, we do a bit of everything. I say I'm a one-man Illuminati. <laughs> that's a good That's a good explanation. <laughs> the good Illuminati. Yes, the good kind. As far as I know. But, um, yeah, so, you know, the business generator, uh, you know, that's something that's kind of been a staple the last, you know, I guess eight years in the community. And that involves, for some reason... Until I got to tour it with junior leadership, I was under the impression that only one business was there at a time. Like it was like a space to rent. Sure. But it's it's a bunch of them in there, and it's also your main office, I'm guessing. And It is. It is. So my office is in there, and, um, and, you know, over the years, I think we've had about 40 different businesses come through at any given time. So it's, um, you know, it's it's something our community can be proud of. It's uh, It's unique. Uh, we say we're just kind of like outside of the box. I, call, I nickname it the Google of Gaffney because we're just, you know, we're, we're just the, we're tech friendly, we're innovation, um, and outside of the box. It's kind of like our, our themes. That's great. So I guess just a little bit of a background. Where did this all start? I mean, I know you now, but where, 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 what did this look, what did you look like before this? As far as me personally or as far as the personally. incubator? Personally. So born in, um, born in Germany. Raised in Baltimore. Dad was in military. So it's interesting that I have a full-blown German heritage background, the last name of Ziegelhafer. Yeah. Uh, and I happened to end up being born in Germany while Dad was in the uh, in the Army. Did not know that. Uh, lived in Baltimore for the majority of my life until um, moving here about 25, 26 years ago. Uh, we moved out into Corinth. Uh, my mother's from Spartanburg. Dad is from Baltimore. When Dad retired, Mom said, we're moving south. Um, and so we didn't want to raise grandbabies eight, nine hours away. So we packed it up. I was actually the boys and girls club director in Bal- in the city of Baltimore. Wow. Uh, I was the youngest. I had worked my way up the youngest director and had 800 kids uh, in that program. And then 
said, I'm not moving. And my wife's like, well, we're going. Uh, and I said, I'll give it three months, three months, because that's how they were going to hold the position for me. Uh, came down here and never looked back. It was just a complete different way of life from living in the city uh, and loved it. So we've been here ever since. We've never moved. We haven't, we've lived in the same house since we've been here. Wow. I didn't know that. So born in Germany and how old were you when you moved back? Uh, I was two. Okay, so not really memory. Yeah, I can't remember. Okay, right. So, born in Germany, growing up in Baltimore, Maryland. What, what, what was it like, the more west side or? I was east side. I was right at the city and county line. So technically okay. I was, I spent most of the time in the city. Okay, so what was that like growing up in that? Uh, very different from growing up uh, here. Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of our road, we had the, you know, we had the towers, which was Section 8 apartment housings. Um, there was... Um, it's just a different way of life. I mean, tons of people. You don't know any better when you're living in it. You're just so used yeah. to it. Uh, coming down here, it was just a complete change of face, yeah. change of life. Kind of a little cultural shock goes with that. It maybe. was. It was. But I love it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, growing up then, everyone knows you as the business guru type guy now. Sure. So were you doing were you doing any things like that as a kid so, or as a teenager? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I said I started my entrepreneurship journey when I was in elementary school with a shoebox that I had converted into my own little stand, and I had like knickknacks and baseball cards and things like that. And I would take the shoebox, had four straws in the corners, take the lid off, flip it up, turn it on to the top, and I had my own little canopy uh, vending area that I would sell during uh, cafeteria time. Uh, I always knew that I, I wanted to work for myself. Uh, my father uh, worked at General Motors. I saw my grandfather who owned his own business after he retired, and I always said that's that's what I wanted to I wanted to do. So I had an inspiration from my grandfather to be a business owner. Uh, from there, you know, I man, I did so many things. You don't even probably have enough time to get into all of it. But uh, my younger years, I was a sponsored damn skateboarder. Um, uh, by nineteen, I was helping run some skate shops for the one of the teams that I worked for. Uh, we went from there and went into boys and girls club work. Uh, once I moved here, I kind of flip flopped between either working for myself. Oh, I also owned a bike shop in Baltimore. Mm. So there's that. That's too. very cool. Yeah, converted a, uh, a basement into a full blown bike shop. Uh, but from there, I've either worked for nonprofits or I've worked for myself consistently across the board. So I've done a lot of work for the Salvation Army. Um, and then from there, I owned Zig Boys here in town. We had a we had our first store was in downtown Gaffney. Our second store was downtown Spartanburg. Uh, started a full blown e commerce company, uh, and at the time that was you're talking twelve years ago. That was that was like a huge deal. Um, what was Zig Boys? What did you do? Zig Boys was our was my skateboard company. Oh wow! So you carried that over. That's excellent. I did yeah. That was that was fun. That's kind of legendary around here. You'll see. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole crew of people that all the time will come up to me afterwards. That's who they know me from. They know me as skateboarder. Yeah. My brother. I have a brother that's six. Well, I think I told you that my brother's sixteen years older than I am, and he was big in skateboards. So I bet if I mentioned that when uh, he was he a kid, he was big in skateboards. So. Probably would have heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So. You got into that. So I had Zig Boys. I had the skateboard shops going. Yeah. Um, all the stores working constantly. Uh, what most people don't realize is that there a few years ago, I think it 11 years ago at this point, uh, there was an accident called the Cleveland Park train accident that Corinth Baptist Church um, had all of the kids on. And uh, my son Bryson was one of those that was severely injured. 
And so I had to close the stores for 30 days. I mean, we were in the hospital just every day, nonstop. He was uh, between Spartanburg Regional. Uh, he was in Mary Black, Spartanburg Regional, and then finally ended up in the Greenville Hospital. Closed the, didn't even walk in the doors of the space for over a month. And uh, after that, you know, priorities change and you realize, um, you know, spending a lot of time running all these all these businesses, uh, these locations and the online store and everything else. And by the accident was in March. Um, by Labor Day of that year, I was like, I'm done. I'm closing it all down. I actually didn't realize it at the time. I actually incubated my first business because I actually handed off the entire business inventory, everything. I gave it to one of my employees. And I said, you can have it. It's yours. Here's all the vendors. Here's who you buy from. Here's everything you need. And then from there, um, I ended up, that's when I started my youth pastor season. Mm, I didn't know. And I ended up going and was a youth pastor at Corinth Baptist Church, helping walk all of those that were in that accident. I walked in for, I think it was there five years as youth pastor in that role. And, uh, you know, that season ended. And after that season ended is when started the incubator in downtown. Uh in between all of that, we were constantly shooting photos and doing photo work as kind of like a side hustle to help offset my youth pastor salary. And, uh, you know, so we just kind of have gone full time with the Ziggs Creative and full time with the Business Incubator. And um, I don't know, everything's good, man. I, I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know, I'm so content because it sounds like it's bragging. And I really, truly don't mean it to sound like that. But Everything that I've ever set out to do, I've just been able to do it. And uh, so it's cool, you know. Now I'm at the stage of life where I'm like, I just need to start giving back and sharing knowledge and training up the next generation. Man, that's incredible. First of all, I didn't know a lot of that. So yeah, a lot you've of lived a full life. I have, uh, I've seen some things. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you talk about, you know, starting the skateboard shop to the bikes to the e-commerce, then, you know, getting into ministry, then the... Uh, yeah, incubator. Yes, I didn't know what to call it for a second. Uh, how would you say the previous season prepared you for the next in all those cases? Well, you know, people joke all the time. You know, I'm in my fifties now, and uh, people are always like, "Yeah, old man," and I'm like, "Listen, look, with age comes a gift that you can only get from being around for a long time, and that is the gift of hindsight." Yeah. So I can actually look back through all these different stages of life and see how all of them interconnected and they all worked together to get me to the point that I am now. So there's there's beauty in that. Yeah. Uh, age, you know, they say comes wisdom, but I say the hindsight is better because I know when troubles come, I can see how everything, when there was difficult times, the valleys, I can see how the peaks came right afterwards. You know, those ebbs and flows, um, all good things. Yeah. Learning all seasons. So, you know, running the nonprofits uh, with, um, there's also a stint in there where I was the children's pastor and ran the after school program for the Salvation Army here in Cherokee County, started up that. Um, so all of these things have kind of worked together to help. Um, when it came time to start Begin, uh, the business incubator downtown, I took that whole nonprofit side of things where I had been working for churches and working for the Salvation Army and working for Boys and Girls Club, which were all community-based things. Combined that with all of the retail experience, the e-commerce experience, the web development, the photography, the video, all the content creation. You kind of meshed all that together into a very symbiotic nature uh, that became the business generator. Wow. That's amazing. I, I tell you what, it's like a lot of times... 
you know, especially when you talk about, you know, changing, you know, different seasons, you like to use that water channel up because it's like, you know, spring kind of, you see a little bit of summer at the end that prepares you for summer, different things like that. But I also think that's just, you know, the Lord ultimately. But when you were talking about um, having that contentment, you know, that that's amazing. And, you know, you, you know, I don't even think about it as bragging because bragging would be about like success. But ultimately, if you're content in life and you're at peace with it, there's so many people who aren't. They have so many regrets and they wish things didn't go that way, although not satisfied with where they're at. But if you're content, the peace that you get with that, I think that's priceless practically. It is. It is. And that, you know, a lot of times I, I could have chased the money. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been offered, I've been offered a lot of money to do a lot of different things. Um, most of them would require me to leave Cherokee County and, and this area. Um, and I've turned them all down, whether it's, it's the money's never been the important driving factor for me. Uh, it's always been about, it's been about community. It's about been giving back. Uh, and it's about challenging myself. So businesses have always been about challenging and learning and figuring things out. Money's never been the true end game, um, but knowledge, experience, uh, and, and helping and, yeah. and being a good community member. Um, you know, we flip over. There's so many things, and I hope you're, you're, I'm not going to bore your your listeners. No, here, go, hey, this is you. Go into it. That's like spending. I spent 14 years at Corinth Elementary School on on the PTO board. As soon as my first kid, Gage, was in 5K, I jumped on the executive board and spent 14 years working, raising money, helping uh, build the school um, funds and, and helping support that because that was what I saw as my community and, and my local school and spent 14 years. I, I always joked, I said I needed a, a giant bronze statue after my last kid went through with me holding up um, candy sales and, you know, fall festival tickets. Yeah. And, uh, but it's always been important to, to, you know, to do that. So community has been important to me no matter where I've been, whether I was in Baltimore or whether I was here, we just kind of focus on, um, see a need, feel a need. I mean, if we're going to yeah. go right back to the old uh, Disney movie there. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think an important word to describe you would be community-oriented. So, where did kind of your love for that and your kind of heart for, you know, solving the community, where did that begin? And just talk a little bit about the importance of that. Sure. So, I grew up in a family that I grew up in Baltimore with a huge family. I grew up with a mother who was an ordained minister, an aunt who was an ordained minister, uh, my in-laws, um, we're both uh, ministers as well. So I've always grown up in the church. I've always had this, uh, this, I don't know, this, this desire to, to help others. And, um, and with that, you know, they led by example and I followed their lead. And, uh, and that's, so I would, I would say the generations before me helped shape me and show me what was truly important. Yeah. That's heavy. So, and just, you just kind of carry that on throughout your life. Sure. I carry that on. Now it's my turn to yeah. do, um, to do that for the next generation below me. That was, so doing what was done for me, doing it now for the next generation. Yeah. It's my turn. And you have a son that helps you out as well too. I do. So I have three boys. Um, Christy and I have, um, Gage, who is our oldest. He is a school teacher in Spartanburg. He teaches fourth grade. Oh, wow. Uh, we have Bryson. Bryson works for us. He works for the Ziggs creative company. He's our lead video guy. Uh, and then we have Andrew. Andrew just graduated from Gaffney High, and uh, and he works for himself. He's my entrepreneur, so he has decided to skip college and is focusing on building his own little company at the same time. I say little company. He's probably more successful than most at his age, but yeah, 
Yeah. What so, is he doing? Uh, he has um, multiple online stores oh, wow. and sells uh, via Shopify and some other platforms, uh, as well as the dude loves to flip cars. He'll yeah. buy a car, turn around, flip it, make some cash, turn that money into something else. So, yeah, he's looking to get his dealer's license and uh, uh, wants to be a car, used car salesman for a while. I don't know. Who That'd knows? We'll see where he lands. I love that. So, and that's, that's something I want to get to later is just kind of like the way, you know, you figure out what you're going to do, but just to kind of, you know, when I went into World, uh, begin about a month ago, you know, you had this just amazing story that you brought out and, and what it started as, what it's become and, and kind of the facil- f- facility that it is for, uh, small businesses that are starting up. So talk a little bit about that. What is begin? Sure. Begin is a weird play on words. So begin is a business incubator. We're located in downtown. We're partnered. We're part of node two. And we are partners with the city of Gaffney, as well as um, many other community partners. Okay. Uh, Begin is a place for if you want to start a business or you have an idea, you're going to bring it to Begin, where I'll talk to you about your idea, see where you are, help you, mentor you, guide you. We also give you a space. If you have a retail space, we can set you up. $150 a month. You can start. You can kind of reduce all of that overhead that you would normally have if you were starting a business. If you were starting a business, you're going to have to go in and pay rent, utilities, internet bill, uh, insurance. All these different things add up to an average monthly expense of, let's just say, $1,500 to $2,000 right out the gate just to have a space to sell from. I say we take that number, we chop a zero off, you're going to pay $150, maybe $200 if you need a large space. From there, you get mentorship, and I'm going to guide you through. Most businesses start out, and you're a silo. You you rent your space, you open your business, and then you try to figure things out on your own. I say you come in to begin. We help lessen the learning curve, so you're more successful. Studies have shown that 85% of businesses that start in a business incubator like Begin are still in business after five years, uh, versus the other option, which is most businesses are out of business year one, year two. Uh, They run out of money. They just don't have the funds to do it. So we lessen that learning curve along with the classes and the training that helps kind of make you successful. I take all of that knowledge from my own retail stores, uh, the creative side, the content creation, uh, the marketing, all of that, uh, along with some other people like Natalie. And uh, we kind of just help you be successful. That's the goal. It's for everybody to be successful. We've had uh, Peach City Brewing launched out of Begin. Zachary's launched out of Begin. Uh, those are just two of downtown businesses. Yeah. We've had some um, we've had businesses that have launched and, and gone to Cowpens. Uh, we've had businesses that have launched and decided to go to the house and just sell online. Uh, so I always say um, it's not a matter of where you land, uh, but it's a matter of landing and being successful. And that's what we try to guide people and help them with. So Begin started about seven or so years ago, right after I left youth ministry, about two weeks later. Um, I, I kind of went in and helped uh, Begin launch. Uh, Begin was not named Begin in the beginning. Uh, it was going to be a business incubator. It had a completely different name, and I started speaking at Rotary, and I said, we're going to start this business incubator downtown, and I no exaggeration. I had somebody come up to me asking and said, I'm just really confused. I'm not really sure where you're going to keep all those chickens uh, because they thought incubator meant we were going to start a chicken Chicks, farm yeah. in downtown. And so instantly I said, okay, we need to change this because most people had no idea what a business incubator was. Changed it. We said business generator. Uh, and then from there, we kind of shortened it down 
and I say we all the time, it was basically, it's basically me. We shorten it all down to uh, B-G-E-N, yeah. uh, and we call it begin. It's a play on words. Teachers hate it because it doesn't sound like it looks. It's phonetically impossible, um, <laughs> but it's begin. We yeah. say you're beginning businesses. So uh, we've been pretty successful in our own way. We're unique. Um, most people consider us very outside of the box. We don't look like any other incubator around. And it's something that, you know, Cherokee County, Gaffney specifically, we should be very proud of because yeah. we've had people from Washington, D.C. that have funded it, have come down and been like, this thing is crazy. It should not happen here. We've had people from Columbia and um, and our state house come down and visit with us. We've had, you know, all of the representatives and our and our leaders. Tim Scott's been down, hung out with me for a while. We've had people from um, all across the country have come in. And across the board, we hear the same thing. This is the model for small towns across the state, across the country, that works, that we should be following and implementing across the, especially across the state. Absolutely. So a business wants to come in, you know, they, they do, you know, you chop the zero off of what they would probably sure. normally be paying. Um, also, they get all of your consulting, all of your you know, help they all, but also this space. So what are a lot of things that you see other than a business, money, and space? What are a lot of the needs that when businesses first start out and come to you, they need? Right out the gate, everyone comes in and they have this grand idea of how it's going to be. And uh, so the first step is most people will come to me and they'll say, I've got a business idea. Well, we're going to sit down and we're going we're gonna to talk about it. I'm going to see how much how much capital you have, yeah. uh, as well as the idea. Uh, I say sometimes I'm I'm going to help you achieve your dreams, or in some cases I say I'm the killer of dreams because I'll hit you with a dose of reality of what it really is going to take. And a lot of times people come in and they have a great idea, but they haven't looked at all the numbers and they haven't figured out financially it doesn't make any sense. And you can't you can wish it to happen, but reality is is that a lot of times it's very difficult to be in business for yourself. And a lot of people, if you haven't done it before, you don't know about things like taxes. You don't understand about insurance and and permits and licensings and all these different things that you have to have in order to operate legally. Most people have no clue. Uh, a lot of people come from Facebook Marketplace where they've just been selling and meeting people in a parking lot and exchanging money for whatever. When they actually want to go and start a business for real, you've got you've got a checklist of things that you've got to do to operate legally and to be successful. So we help guide them through all of that. Uh, that's usually step one. Step one, meet, talk about the business, go over what they've got. You don't even have to have a business plan. I just need your idea and I need to know how much money is going to come in and how much you think is going to go out. Uh, from there, we get you set up with all of your state taxes. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, your state permits and fees, as well as your city fees if you're in the city of Gaffney or Blacksburg. Uh, and then from there, we start figuring out what the taxes are going to look like, get you a CPA, um, give you some recommendations, and then kind of start from there. Great. How do you disown what is actually about this one down? I really wanted to know. How do you know what is a good idea and a bad idea? Oh, okay. Now, this yeah, one. If someone comes to you and says, I want to sell, you know, something crazy, something you've never heard of, and you're like, sure. I don't know how that's going to do. So how do you know what's going to do about it? That actually comes from a level of discernment from owning so many different businesses in so many different fields, whether it's 
uh, in the bike shop or the skateboard shop or the e-commerce companies, and even in the nonprofit world. He's still even in nonprofits. You say nonprofit, but you still got to be able to Make financially, profit, yeah. yeah, be successful financially. You can't run in the in the negatives and still be a, a nonprofit. So a lot of that just comes from experience. Uh, we sit down. I say we. It's usually me. Natalie as well. Uh, we'll sit and look at a business and then really kind of look at the numbers. You can have a great business idea, but if you're undercapitalized, you're not going to last long. If your business doesn't work well on paper, then you're not going to be able to get funding anywhere. So you've got, it's a numbers game in the beginning. Uh, but as well as the ideas, I, I will say this, I'll use Andrew, my son, as an example. He was in middle school and he wanted to start flipping uh, Nikes uh, or high-end high -end sneakers. He was a little sneakerhead in middle school, and uh, we were in Goodwill one day, and I will say I'm not always correct, because we were in Goodwill, and he saw a pair of Nikes for six bucks, and he said, Dad, I need you to lend me six bucks so I can buy these shoes, and I said, I will give you six bucks to leave those shoes on the cat on there. I'm not going to, you know, he said, no, I need these six bucks. The six bucks, I got to get these shoes. He took those shoes home. I gave him the six bucks, took those shoes home. He cleaned them, did the whole thing, put them on eBay, and flipped them immediately and made 60, 60 bucks right wow. off the gate. Same day. And then after that, I was like, "All right, I don't know everything. Uh, I gotta be." He was a humbling moment for me, yeah. but at the same time, um, there was a lot of things in logistics. You can't just successfully sell something; you've got to be able to successfully sell something consistently and with a consistent level of profit to be in business. So um, that's usually where we start. You know, it's a numbers game in the beginning. Yeah, of course, that's great stuff. We're gonna take a quick break for about sure. one minute, literally, and uh, we can come back after that. All right, and we're back just, uh, you know, kind of coming off of that. What would you say, just as yourself, I think we live in a world where, especially in the realm of podcast and uh, other content, uh, I guess, business, entrepreneurship, those are big topics that people want to get to, like, be involved with and want to learn about, apparently. So what would you say are some just really just kind of easy, maybe not common sense, but tricks of the trade that... If you're starting your own business, if you're becoming an entrepreneur, especially if you're doing it kind of yourself, uh, what are some things that you need to know? Well, the hardest thing to convince people to do is to become a legit business. Yes. So many people sell, you know, off on the, you know, either Facebook Marketplace or uh, TikTok stores, TikTok yeah. shops, I think it is. I can't remember. Um, eBay. Uh, or, you know, just at a flea market. I mean, there's a lot of things that be in a legit business uh, you can benefit from. Usually the tax breaks. I mean, the, the, a lot of times people will come to me and they'll be like, I don't want to, I don't want to be legit because, um, you know, I don't have to pay taxes. I don't want to have to, I don't have to pay fees. I don't want to do all this stuff. But the reality is there's a lot of tax breaks that you can get as a small business owner that that are really beneficial and that as a not legit business you leave that stuff on the table um, there's a there is a difference in my eyes from businesses that are side hustles side hustles are the Facebook marketplace the e the quick eBay sales things like that versus a legitimate long-term sustainable business plan uh, the goal is to take you from side hustle to long-term sustainable business working for yourself. And the reality is too is that some people are some people are not they're better at being employees than they are working for yeah. themselves. The reality is that. And sometimes it takes people starting a business to realize 
this really isn't for me. It's a very stressful thing. Owning your own business is stressful. I can't emphasize that enough. And that's one of the things that I have to condition people to understand when they start off. It's going to be tough sometimes. I said, if you're not laying face down, praying to Lord, please send some business my way today. I don't think you've been in business. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know, there's, it's, it's all not, it's not all highs. Yeah. Um, there are definitely some valleys. So preparing people and preparing them for that, I would say is probably one of the best advice that I can give them. Usually is, uh, you got to figure that out first. That's great. If you're an employee, that's great. I mean, I have zero issue with that. I mean, I work for people myself. Um, but some business, being an entrepreneur is not for everyone. Yeah. How awful are taxes? Taxes are not fun at all. Um, it's just, oh gosh, we can go down the rabbit hole of of that. Um, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a whole other podcast. But things are not, things are difficult in this day and age to own a business it's taxes make it very difficult to stay in business. Uh, I think we are overtaxed. Um, I would love to see a more streamlined tax model. Um, I think that taxes are so deep as far as laws and, and just everything is working against not only small business owners, but I think all of us, uh, even employees and, and people that get a W2, uh, and I think it. I think it all works against us at this point. I, I think we're we're paying way more in taxes than what we should be paying. I agree. I really didn't know much about it until, I don't know, the last few months. I really got into like finances and uh, different things like that. But I, I watched. I've done a lot of research on that, and just you know, I don't think I understood just how much it really was. The government taking your money, if that makes sense. Like, I it thought it was is. like, well, I mean, it's not that I bad. Mean, but, I mean, it's, it's... There's a rabbit hole we can go down. I don't think yeah. we've got time for that. Well, today. no, but I'm just saying, like... But, so, when you're starting a business, how do you kind of rise above that? Oh, some people don't, honestly. Uh, you know, I, I tell people all the time, look, if I can have... If I can help every business be super successful or be even just be financially successful. If I could do that for everyone, if, if I was that great, I honestly, I'd be on wall street or something somewhere making millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, my track record is really good. Uh, I'm actually pretty proud of the track record that I have yeah. as far as helping people launch businesses successfully. Um, but it's not, it's not, everything's not a home run. Okay. So there's a taxes. Definitely. Um, can be a killer of a business, uh, especially if you don't pay. Uh, the fines and everything else are pretty significant. And don't ask me how I know, but you know the uh, Department of Revenue has badges, and they will come see you. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so I've had my own run-ins owning a business where uh, you know taxes weren't paid on time, and people show up at your door. And I tell people all the time, learn from my lessons. Don't make the same mistakes, and uh, and I'll help you follow the right path. Yeah. One thing I really wanted to talk to you about, you kind of mentioned it all. You talk about your sons who are all seem to be doing very well. You must be proud of them. But yes. uh, you talk about your youngest wants to skip college. Then you got your other one that works for you. You know, this is something I'm really, I'm, I'm really pretty passionate about is this idea that you have to go to college to be successful. Oh, okay. 
Can, can, you, can you do that? Oh, yeah, you're going to... Okay. All right, yeah. So I'm actually... I have to leave here from this podcast, and I'm going to Ewing Middle School to uh, speak to uh, some middle school students yeah. pretty much about about all of this. Um, you know, I, I do speak a lot uh, about uh, my higher education experience. So I... Um, you know, I graduated high school. Yeah. No problems. Um, went to college uh, for photography. Um, I actually, I don't know how I managed. Uh, I did manage uh, to get kicked out of community college. I don't know how most people can manage that, but yeah. I figured it out. Um, mainly because grades weren't important to me. I was there to learn. And if it didn't follow my linear path of learning that I wanted to do, it was out. Um when I moved here, I actually went to Limestone. Uh, I was going to go through because that's what you did. Everybody said you got to go to college in order to be successful, in order to get a good job and to do these things. Went to Limestone. Uh, I dropped out of Limestone College, uh, but it kills people most of the time when I tell them I had a semester left to graduate. Um, I tapped out. I think I had three classes left. I don't even know, but I tapped out of Limestone because I really, truly felt like I was just trading money uh, for a diploma. I wasn't, it, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. And I realized at that point it wasn't for me. And that is when I left. I left college and started Zig Boys, the skateboard company. So I didn't leave just to do nothing. I left and launched a whole a whole company out of it. Which was very successful. Uh, which I say was probably a more costly learning experience than yeah. if I'd actually just finished college. Yeah. Um, I said I got a Harvard degree or at least the equivalent of it in uh, financial terms. Um, so college to me is, um, it's important. I want my doctor to be the, I want the top yes. of the class. Yes. All right. I, if you're going to be my surgeon, you better well have been, you know, the best of the best. Uh, I want my teachers. I want my CPA. I want people that... I'm going to rely on uh, to be certified Royals. and competent and and good. So, uh, nurses, all of that. If you if your job requires you to have that level of certification, all for it. College is not for everyone, and we have had a generations and uh, my generation specifically, and even further down, that said you can't be successful without college. Well, that is flipping now. Um, I think college is great. I think we have one of the greatest resources in Cherokee County with I-squared. Yes. Uh, from I-squared to Spartanburg Community College, Cherokee County, where you can go for free. Uh, I think the world needs, and this is another, I mean, this is entrepreneurial. This is business. I, I think we need, we need, you can make a great living as a plumber, as a welder, as a, um, I don't even know. What's some, what's some other ones? Um, in robotics and all of these things that you can get from Spartanburg Community College and come out of it with no overhead. I mean, golly, no think doubt. about these students that are coming out of college now and having $100,000, $50,000, $100,000 right out the gate. You're already behind. You're already going to be struggling. You're going to be trying to make all those ends meet while having to pay for college. It's it's just not it's not sustainable. So I love the fact that people can go to Spartanburg Community College, get a welding degree. I I live by example. Bryson, my middle son, was going to USC Upstate for a general business degree. After two years, we said, look, what are we going for? What's the end game here? Are you going to go just because it's what everybody's doing is going to get a four-year degree, or are you going for a specific, a specific purpose? We couldn't figure that out. So I said, let's let's go ahead and talk to Spartanburg Community College. We took him up to the campus. I went in, I talked to the dean. I said, look, I need to know, I want to know what 
what you have as the highest job employment rate, um, what gives the highest starting salary, and, uh, and what is available. And so out of that, it was mechatronics. And they said mechatronics, 100% employment rate, starting pay is usually six figures. Um, you can make that after two years. You can, be, you can be working and making six figures and for free. And I'm like, boom, what do you think? Bryson said, sounds good, signed him up. So he got his mechatronics degree. He works for us, but he has a mechatronics degree from Spartanburg Community College. If you can come into here, uh, to Cherokee County, and leave here with, with a two-year degree certified and making six figures and no overhead of student loans, why wouldn't why you? Wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? It's, it's a no-brainer. Um, I've, I have friends that own plumbing businesses, and they say, I can't find anyone. They could make $200,000 a year as a plumber, but I can't find anybody that wants to do it. Uh, I've got people that own HVAC businesses, same thing. They're like, man, I've got, I've got more work than we can handle if I can find anybody that's interested in doing this. Electricians tell me the same thing. You've got this whole generation, this boomer generation and my generation, that this Gen, Z, Gen X and boomers are, are, reti- are getting to retirement age, and there's no one picking up the mantles for these yeah. uh, specialized fields. That's usually my recommendation for anyone. Um, unless you have a specific purpose for college, whether it's nursing, teaching, doctor, law, law, CPAs, all of that stuff, great, go get your degree. Otherwise, if you're just going to go because it's supposed to be the next step or the next four years, don't invest in that. Invest in two years and then figure things out. Man, you know, Your 20s should be about figuring out. I say it's always important to figure out what you don't want to do. That's just as important as knowing what you do want to do. And I don't know a 20 year old or 20, a 20 to 25 year old that has a solid plan of like, this is exactly what I want to do. Uh, the overwhelming majority, there are some, but the overwhelming majority are like, I'm just trying to figure things out at this point. Don't, don't go into debt just to avoid responsibility. Yeah, that's real. I think that, you know, like one of my best friends, he graduated from high school last year. Went to, he lives in New, close to Shelby, so he got he went to Cleveland Community College. Mm-hmm. Uh, he I squeal he had already got most of his requirements for his HVAC license, so he's taken that deal now. But he has a full time job at uh, a big heat and nail company, makes great money, no debt, isn't spending a dollar. Yeah. So See? you know I, I look at and when he was explaining all this to me, I have another friend who went to a four year university, just realized he hated it. And, 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 and he got out after about four or five months, uh, about halfway through. And now he's doing Spartanburg Community College, taking Megatronics. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Wait, no, hold on. He's not taking Megatronics. He's taking sports medicine or something. Even so. I on that point. Uh, but sports that, medicine, dental programs. Um, yeah, there's just so many opportunities that you can make a solid, rock-solid living Um and come out with no debt. I mean, why Why wouldn't you? It makes no sense to me why you would just... Well, it does make sense. I mean, there's people that have money or people that get full rides to school and they use it as an opportunity to just extend, you know, having to have responsibilities or extend their adulting period for yeah. four years. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not a... I am absolutely not... Not a, a hater. I'm not a hater on college. Yeah. I think college is great. It wasn't for me personally. Um, and I learn better on my own anyway. I'm, yeah. I'm better at being self-taught. Yeah. Time out. What time do you have to be at Ewing? Oh, I've got to be at Ewing at 1 o'clock, so we got time. Okay, great. Okay, for some reason, I had this 
terrible idea that it was 12 and I started to freak out, but yeah, no, okay, okay, good. good. I'm actually speaking at Ewing tomorrow for doing the round table there again. Oh, okay. So, yeah. But, um, anyway, back to what I was saying. Uh, <laughs> okay. That was just... <clears throat> Look, I'm a squirrel in a box. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you've got me to talk consistently is... Uh, is an accomplishment. Yeah, sure, because I'm, I'm usually all over the place. Yeah. So, I want to talk a little bit about your time in... Uh, Youth ministry. Sure. Uh, you are into that. That's something that, you know, especially in the last year, you know, my faith is something that's extremely important for me. I try to, you know, um, I really take my relationship with God seriously, and I try to be in church as much as I can. But last year, mm-hmm. I've definitely felt like, you know, the Lord was pulling me into uh, ministry in my life as well. So okay. uh, talk to me about a little bit, not, not to get too personal, but talk no, to me sure. a little bit about your faith and where you kind of got into sure. that. Sure. So, you know, like I said earlier in the podcast that I have. Uh, my mother was an ordained minister. Uh, my family, a uh, third generation of Salvation Army. Most people only associate Salvation Army with the kettles or uh, social service. But uh, but the Salvation Army is a church uh, that does social services. Um, the kettles are what help fund things like the soup kitchen downtown um, and the thrift store, obviously. So most people think of the thrift store, they think of kettles, or they think of social service, but the church is a big part of the Salvation Army. I did not know that. Uh, so my mother was uh, an ordained minister with the Salvation Army, My both of my in-laws, uh, my aunt as well, so my great-aunt, I should say. So I've, I'm third generation of Salvation Army. My parents were the youth pastors. So my wife and I met uh, via church, so... I married the preacher's daughter, so my my in-laws were the preachers of the, the Salvation Army in Baltimore. My parents were the youth pastors, um, and so that's how my wife and I met. We've known each other since, gosh, I was 16, she was 14, so we have a little age gap there, but yeah. nothing crazy. And uh, so, th- by example, we were kind of trained uh, inadvertently, you know, there was no like, we're going to train you how to do this, but we saw how ministry worked. We saw how effective it was and we saw how, um, important it was and how important it was in our own lives. So that is what ended up leading me into working for boys and girls club. That was a ministry of mine as far as I started out. Um, and then from there, you know, we kind of always been very active in, in our local church here, uh, we went to the Salvation Army here for a long period of time when we first moved here and, uh, and started the after-school program. We were the children's pastors. We were the youth pastors as well. Um, we got recognized in that ministry. Uh, the, the territorial director of the Salvation Army for the whole Southeast basically gave us an award and said, here you guys, you guys are doing an awesome job. So we were recognized for that. Uh, we were... We left Salvation Army. We started working at Corinth Baptist Church. Uh, I say we because we've always looked at ministry as a partnership. So I was the official youth pastor, but Christy was also, you know, she was hands-on in ministry side by side with me through that that whole season. Um, Very passionate about helping, walking um, our students and children. Children in youth ministry, I always say I've never... uh, I say never say never because God will make a fool out of you otherwise. But ministry as a from a um, occupational yes, it, it was never it was never the end game. I was never I knew that we weren't destined to be career pastors. I was never I was asked to lead some churches. Um, I was asked I almost started a church at one point, 
um, but realized that it just wasn't wasn't what I was set out to do. What wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. Uh, children's ministry and youth ministry were the main focuses. Which then, after while I was in um, Corinth, got on the board with Jerusalem Project and had been with Jerusalem Project for gosh, at this point, probably 12 years, I think I've been with JP. Um, Actually longer than that, probably about 13 years or so at this point, Uh, maybe even 15. I don't don't have the timeline. Uh, But then we saw the need for Windshape Camp and me and Martin Hogg and Justin Cook, along with Shelly Leary with Chick-fil-A. Not much more. We kind of started uh, the leadership team and said, hey, we can pull this camp off. Let's do it. Let's try it. And so that became, when I left Corinth, I said I wasn't going to follow the path of daily church ministry. Uh, I decided to go ahead and focus on more of the large-scale event-style ministry. So Jerusalem Project and Windshape Camp are my two ministries uh, that I focus on here in Cherokee County. Great. So first of all, why didn't I know that the Salvation Army was a church? I mean, why didn't nobody else that I <laughs> know know that? That is that is a that is a very common that I I always I always joke and say that the Salvation Army does poor marketing. Yeah, uh, because <laughs> at least with that, most people have no clue, they have no idea. So it's, it's like a is it like it's a church a like this? Full blown meets every Sunday uh, on Colonial Avenue, where the, everybody knows it as the soccer fields. Uh, but that it is, there's an actual, they meet every Sunday morning, 11 a.m. <laughs> yeah. So wow. the, the head of the Salvation Army um, uh, is Major Lisa Davis uh, right now. Uh, yeah. The Salvation Army transfers out officers. They call their pastors officers. And they transfer their officers around like every four years or so. Uh, so right now uh, we have Major Lisa Davis, uh, who is the... Uh, core officer, um, but essentially she's the pastor uh, okay. of the church and heads up all the uh, social service side of things as well. That's so cool. So I know what you're talking about now because I've been in that building, but um, I've done different stuff with them before. I've, you know, I've rang the bells obviously with different organizations, but sure. um, maybe it was, I might've been close to, I, don't, I think it was maybe September, October this last year. I went to a banquet at a me- at the Methodist Church. Oh, sure. That was the annual meeting. Okay. Yeah, Trey Gowdy. Yeah, Trey Gowdy. Yeah, he's Trey awesome. Gowdy. Yeah. yeah, Trey Gowdy's great. I actually got called Trey Gowdy by a crackhead one day. And I said, <laughs> I think I've been racially slurred, but I'm not quite <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, they came in to begin, and she was looking for, for – she was out. She was not in her right mind yeah. um, and came in asking where to buy the heroin. And I told her she was in the wrong place. That this <laughs> was not sell that, that, that kind of business. Sell that. Um, yeah. And uh, and so basically, after talking to her, uh, unsuccessfully convincing her that we sold heroin, yeah. um, she and I told her it was time for her to leave. She called me Trey Gowdy. She said, "All right, Trey Gowdy, I'm leaving." And I'm like, "I just got. Did I just get? Did I just profile get slur? Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like I don't even look like Trey Gowdy. No, <laughs> no. But yeah, so I went to that banquet, and that was super cool. But yeah, I was blown awesome. away. It helped me learn more about it. Because let me tell you, okay, let me tell you how ignorant I was before that. I thought. All they did was like soup kitchen, mm-hmm. uh, the thrift store because I've been in there because I've donated stuff sure. before, and then the Christie's bells the at Christmas. The store. My wife manages the thrift store. Really? Yeah, that's awesome. And then um, 
and then of course the uh, bells and things like that at Christmas time. Yeah. So, but once I learned that, I went to that, and they had these people speak. You know the people in the you know in the uniform in the uniform. Yeah, which I, and I, yeah, I can go down the rabbit hole of my, my disagreement with that. But I thought uh, it. I, I was just blown away by like such a community. Well, I didn't know. I was so in the dark about it. Yeah, yeah. They, they need some marketing. Yeah, they do need some good marketing. Uh, great organization. We yes. love the Salvation Army. We are. Um, again, we are generational Salvation Army. Um, I guess attendees soldiers. Or oh. Soldiers. Yeah, they do call it. Actually, they do call them yeah. soldiers. Um, but it just means you're a member. Uh, the terminology and all can be a lot of off. It can be very off-putting for people that aren't familiar with it. The yeah. uniforms can be very intimidating. Yeah, I think. Um, and uh, you know the terminology. The Salvation Army has its own terminology for everything. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, Salvation Army is a church first and foremost. Started awesome. uh, started by William Booth, who said um, early on he wanted to minister to the the the. The downtrodden, the people in London uh, at the time were not able to attend church because, you know, it, in those days you you had to be a certain, you had to present yourself yeah, in a certain way. To get to and so, if you were a downtrodden individual, um, you weren't typically allowed in church or welcomed in church. And so, he decided to minister to the least of these. And in doing so, he realized that they had these other needs. Uh, they needed they needed clothes. They needed food. They were hungry, and for so first and foremost, in order to minister them, he needed to provide them with the essentials to help them, um, and then he could minister to them. And that's where the Salvation Army started in that aspect. So that's why the Salvation Army is widely known as a social service yeah. organization, thrift stores, things like that. But ultimately, it's to fuel the gospel and the ministry. Man, that's amazing. So I want to get into. That is amazing. So, I told you I'm a I'm a one man Illuminati. I'm like yeah. everywhere, man. I so did you? <laughs> so obviously, you know, your your faith was something that was important to you Very growing up so. and different things like that. So, man, that that's amazing. I didn't even know you were at, so you were the youth pastor at Corinth for about five years. You said about five years, yes. And then I did children's ministry and youth ministry and started an after school program with the Salvation Army. Did that for about five years. That's amazing. I'm gonna restart the clock and then we'll get back. Well, moving forward, so. That's super cool. I didn't. I didn't know any of that. But uh, something that obviously has been extremely important to me, and as someone who you know grew up in church around here, is you know JP and Windshape. So, talk to me a little bit about that because I've always known you. Actually, I'm sure you don't remember this, but first time I met you, I was like, well, I guess first time I knew who you were was I was maybe eight or nine. I went to the village school until I was in fifth grade, and you came and took pictures or something. I did. I did. The village school had hired me, hired yeah. Zig's Creative to come in and do some. Uh, photos and stuff like that for for marketing promoting a village school village yeah. school at the time yeah, yeah. again I'm like, I, there's no I, way you remember that but now, yeah, yeah, yeah. now I'm going to have to go and search through those galleries and there I'm going to find pictures probably some of, of me. little you yes yeah. young me yeah <laughs> so yeah I went there until I was in 5th grade so I knew he well then I would see you at JP and you know you would speak I remember you spoke one evening I think uh, might have been this, one of the last nights you actually spoke Yes. Yeah, I think the last time I the, actually the last time I spoke uh, from the stage at JP was um, was a few years ago after my mom had passed That's away. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and they had asked me to come up and share that share my testimony oh, and, and that story um, of how uh, you know God saw us through all of that uh, difficult time. Yeah. Um, and he did. And again, it goes back to what we talked to earlier about that hindsight. You can see how God works in all of these, all of these ways, even the, even the most tragic and hardest parts of our lives, God's still working in them. Yeah, absolutely. So 
you know, those are such big deals. And it's meant so much to me in my life. You know, going to JP, I started JP when I was in like sixth or seventh grade. And, you know, I, I do it every year. It's just, yeah. a no, I don't schedule anything else yeah. for that you, week. You block, your, you block you it block out. block third week of July every yeah. year. Yeah, and, and, but it's it's something that's so important because, you know, the last two years I've been on sports camps. And oh. that has been so fulfilling to me because, this is just a little secret, I'm not excellent at manual label. <laughs> I'm not a handyman. But so, on that, on that note, on that note, uh, neither am I. Yeah. I am not known for my construction skills. At all. You don't want to be building your ramp, and you don't – me and Justin Cook, we can paint a house. Yeah. Fine. But don't put us on a roof and don't put us um, building ramps. Yeah. Uh, that is why um, – actually, so I don't sound like it's bragging or anything, but there was – a I started along with David Tony and a few others. We started sports, sports camp. camp. Yeah. Sports camp I was my that. baby. I thought that. Um, sports camp was um, – was definitely that's what I did. So my my entire time with JP uh, was focusing on uh, boys and girls club because I had the boys and girls club history already as a boys and girls club director. So Vance and I were already well aware of each other, and um, and just saw that as my way to to minister. Again, my focus has always been on children and youth, and sports camp was a way to to really focus in on my skills and, and kind of make a difference here and fill the gap because Jerusalem Project was doing a great job at middle school to high school students, but we weren't doing anything in a community and, and then older because we were working on homes, but we weren't doing anything for the children. We were leaving a gap there. We had parents that had little kids that they wanted them to be a part of JP, but we didn't have a place for them. So sports camp started in partnership with Boys and Girls Club as a way for us to take some of the students uh, and focus them on children's ministry and it VBS style kind of sort of not really VBS, but yeah. s- similar. So we would have, we would play sports, we'd have games, we'd have fun, we would do stations, everyone would rotate around and then we would have a one hour church service. Yeah. And I tell you, I mean, having a hundred some kids in the gym of the boys and girls club and having, having student led ministry, um, it, it, it was a blessing to be a part of. Um, and I, I led sports camp all the way up to COVID. Yeah. Uh, and COVID kind of shut things down for a little bit as far as sports camp. And it shifted. And then that's when I decided it, I think I had done seven or eight years of sports camp. Uh, and at that point, I said it was time for me to pass the baton. And and so I, I, I let sports camp go uh, as far as the way that I would handle um, my responsibilities with Jerusalem Project and decided that we would really do better with my skills from a content creation yeah. and documentary and so photo and video and documenting all of JP became my focus because it was time to hand a baton off to the next generation to be able to take over sports camp. Yeah, and you know, like I said, what's so beautiful about that, I think like, like once again, for me, who's not a handyman, it's, you know, I felt like these last two years I've done it. I felt like it's been fulfilling for me and also for the other people because I feel like it's not that you'll not that you're not when you're building a house because obviously you are, sure. but like I feel like sure. I, I felt like I was making more of an impact. If that makes like like exactly. yeah, and just getting to like do the uh, I led led the uh, devotion one day, and you know there's always a few kids uh, that uh, give the life to Jesus after uh, sure. the sports camp, and yeah, that was. So beautiful to just witness and to, and, and to be a part of that. So I felt like that's just so. Personally, thank you for starting that because well, that's a wonderful th- thing. That was that was definitely um, 
it was a passion project for me and yeah. it was a calling and it was something that we really, David Tony and the rest of the board and everyone got on board with and we said, how can we do this? We did it. It's been successful. The Lord's blessed it. And, and I, the thing I love about sports camp, specifically with Jerusalem Project, um, again, the jobs that you're doing, building houses, I mean, building houses, that's actually, we've talked about that too. Um, oh, but wow. building porches and, and doing roofs, which we don't really do much anymore, painting, all of those things are very important. And you get to minister to that homeowner while you're doing it. And you're building, and you're building uh, community within each other as you as you're intermingling with other people from other churches. All of that's great. But yeah. sports camp, I specifically saw having two benefits. One, we were able to minister to to the kids of the community in in that area of boys and girls club that wouldn't necessarily see church. Church building. Um, they would never come through the doors yeah. specifically. But then we were also training up young leaders like yourself. So you, by you getting to actually in a in a in a space um, where you can actually minister and and learn how to minister, um, it, it's a great program. I mean, uh, I love it. It's it's definitely, and, and that's kind of where we shifted and saw Windshape as as another as another way to fill that gap. Um, and I can go on and on about Windshape, but I but I'm I'm a huge JP. I mean I love yeah. I love JP. Uh, one of the things that JP uh, one of the things uh, let me jump back. One of the things that us as a community that we don't recognize because we grow up in it. You guys grow up in a community yeah. where all of your youth pastors are like all friends. Yeah. Where when we say when we say we're going to partner with another church, it's not a big deal. We we take it. I think we and do stride. take it for granted. Yeah. Um. Because it's not. It's not. No. It, it's it's unheard of in most communities. People tell us all the time. Now with Windshape Camp, Jerusalem Project is very local, and you know outside of Cherokee County, people are like, man, how do you get all these churches to work together? It's great. Windshape Camp took that and amplified it on a national level, to where we are seen as this anomaly of how are all of these churches coming together? How are all of these community partners and business people coming together? How is everyone in Cherokee County working towards the same goals? Because other communities can't even get two churches to partner mm. up with each other because they can't figure out who's going to get credit. Yeah, that's all. So we're unique. We're blessed. Yeah. And, and I take that all the way back to the beginnings of, um, uh, where youth pastors would get together every Wednesday morning and sit in Chick-fil-A and hang out and talk and become friends and commiserate kind of about the, their lives or the things that are happening, um, praying for one another and, and being able to have a support system in place. Yeah, that's awesome. I, you're so right about that because I think, and I got to uh, this past year, the pastor at Spoken JP, he was from Mississippi. We had him on the podcast mm -hmm. uh, and he was blown away by that. And I was telling, you know, a friend of mine who's, you know, been on the podcast before, Daniel, he's, you know, it's so cool that what we get to have with, like, our community, with, like, all of our churches. Because that uh, JP and Impact and all that, which is coming up, mm -hmm. you know, you see all your friends that you would anyway because they're all part of the church and the church is coming together. Sure. Which is, that's, not only is that a, I think, I think that glorifies the body of Christ when that exactly. happens, but also 
You know, it's just more community-oriented. Because you're right, there's, there's so many times when, I guess, kind of the corporate church, quote-unquote, wants to get into, you know, divisive things about who's going to get the credit or finances or things like that. Yes. But it's wonderful. And I've never done I, – I, this year will be my first year doing Windshape. Last year oh. – Yeah. Yeah. This, this last year, I was going to do it, and I – this is going to sound like I'm making an excuse. I never knew that it was in June. I always thought it was in August. It, it actually was. Yeah, I didn't get that memo. So pre-COVID, um, well, even after COVID or a year after COVID, we had to take a two-year break because we couldn't use the schools yeah. during COVID. Uh, when we came back, uh, we were – so we started at Limestone College. We outgrew Limestone College. Um, we moved into Limestone Central. Yeah. Limestone Central, we outgrew immediately. Yeah. We we went to the largest camp in the country when we were at Limestone Central. So we had more people at camp than the middle school would normally have on a given day. Yeah. We shifted from there to Gaffney High School until COVID hit. And then we had to jumpstart back in. We started at Gaffney Middle School and then finally landed back last year at Gaffney High School. But the only way we could get back to Gaffney High School was if we changed our date because the school calendar was creeping closer and closer into August. It didn't give them enough time to do everything that they needed to do to clean up and, and everything after camp. So we had to shift to the end of June in order to be at Gaffney High School. So that was okay. a sacrifice time-wise we had to make. It works out. Um, in the long run, because we'd much rather be at Gaffney High, because the yeah. facility can hold us. Uh, we're one of the largest camps in the country. Yeah. Um, again, shouldn't happen in Gaffney. Uh, we we hit a lot of the biggest. Uh, so Cherokee County, um, Windshape Gaffney, we call it. Um, we raise the most money in the country. The average camp across the country. There's about a hundred camps across the country, California, coast to coast. The average camp raises about $10,000 for scholarships. In Cherokee County, every year consistently, we've raised about $75,000 for scholarships. Wow. Should not amazing. happen. We have about 100 community partners. Uh, the average camp has maybe 10. Um, we found out we were in Atlanta uh, a couple weeks ago uh, talking with other camps across the country. Uh, it's kind of like our convention that we all meet. Uh, we found out that Gap, we were they asked about our goals and we said, well, we're kind of disappointed that we only have 13 partnering churches right now. And they were like, wait, what? You have 13 partnering churches? And I'm talking to yeah. the leader. I, I had dinner with the head, the national, the head of Winchester. Oh, um, and he's like, you have 13 churches? He's like, the most I've ever heard of. He's like, there's a camp that has seven. And that was the most that I've heard. I'm like, no, we have 13. And he's like, and you're disappointed? And I said, yeah, I'm very disappointed, actually. Because there's 60. <laughs> right? Yeah, there's 60 churches. That's just – I said, we have we do another project in July where we have 30 partnering churches. Yeah. And he's like, what? How? How do you get all these churches to come together? And we're like, well, we've been doing it for years. But I think that um, we can do better. You know, 13 churches. I'd love to see more. We had the <laughs> – so we put up the wall at, um, at the billboard at camp. And it lists all of our partnering churches that we, it's our thank you board. We thank yeah. these churches for partnering. And uh, I tell I tell people when I talk to other camps or other, other community people, I say it's going to be one of two things. It's either going to be the wall of fame because your church is on there or the it's going to be the shame. wall of shame. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've had people walk up to me and say, why is our church not on that board? Yeah. And I said, I don't know. It's a question for your pastor. You need to ask him. Yeah, man. That's good. Well, I'm, I'm excited for that. I've Wind got it marked is, out now. So Yeah, Windshape is um, – it's a huge deal, actually. Yeah. So uh, we are we are considered uh, the Super Bowl of camps. 
uh, Gaffney is. It's yeah. like the the thing. Like they post up the staff um, sits, and it's like it's like getting picked for the NBA draft or the NFL draft or something. Yeah. When they get to say they're going yeah. to Gaffney, and people are like, "Oh my gosh." It's like, uh, it's, we're a pretty big deal, i got to say. We should be proud of it as I a community. I tell you what, we, we should, and I'm, I'm excited for that. And and just, I, I, I'm not being anything by saying this, but truly thank you for your work with that, because on JP and Winshape, and I don't know if you do anything with Impact, but those organizations... Uh, yeah, I used to, when those, I was youth pastor. Yeah, those organizations are such a pillar in the community, and exactly. that's such, and it is helped my personal faith so well, much so that's that's awesome to hear yeah because that is really the game the, the the end game is to encourage and equip yeah so that you guys i mean we've got to do something for the next generation what was done for us um we we're training you guys um yeah. to take over at some point you know what at some point i'm gonna be too old to run around jp uh or i'm gonna be too old to to run around all day at uh at Windshape Camp, yeah. but uh, I will I will be very happy to know that we have trained up and brought up uh, the next generation. Yeah, so absolutely, and you know, as you know, I know you need to get going in a minute, no, so we, as okay. we start. Cool. Okay, but I feel like for me personally, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and you know, like JP, this past year, I don't know what it was. I felt like that was the best one yet. Yeah. Have you had anyone tell you that? It was yeah. Last year was it was a good year. I, I, it was. I, I think it was the most year, normal year after COVID. Yes, it actually yes. I would agree with that. Yeah, first normal year. And you know that was great. But I would say just I don't know if and it was the the walk you were doing all the day and then the worship and and the uh, speaker at, at sure. the night. I was somewhere aware and with a friend of mine, and we were talking about that gap between impact and Jerusalem project, mm-hmm. and. You know, I think impact, I really just, I felt like, just get post I felt like I was just kind of driving the speed limit with my faith a little bit. Okay. And kind of taking a few, you know, detours here and there. But I felt like, I don't know, I just, being around that community and just the Lord walking in my life in, you know, other ways as well outside of that. I just threw all of that and then definitely this year at JP, I just really just, really just, obviously I was saved, but I was just, just truly committed you know, my life to the Lord and just wanting to solve it and things like that. And I felt the Lord, well, honestly, about probably seven months before that, I just, you know, whenever you, you know, get into anything and, you know, it's like, you know, God makes plans or you make plans and God laughs. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you, you think about what you want to do, what you want your life to look like. And I just really felt the Lord kind of store in my heart. The more I grew in my faith that he wanted me to, you know, solve him in ministry. So uh, there was a really beautiful opportunity to kind of, I guess, make that decision final in your mind in front of others. At this last year at JP, and I, and I did that. I got to play with a pastor friend of mine, and then also my uh, youth minister at our church as well. And that was just uh, that was a really big moment for me in my faith personally, but just, I guess just a big moment in my life. So th- that was huge. And then, um, yeah. So yeah, and that's and that's the beauty of what we. I mean, you think about you think about other communities, and you, you know. It, I'm going to use Windshape as an example. Yeah. Because we can, we can look at Windshape nationally and see the differences. Uh, most Windshape camps are put on by one church who puts on the camp and has people come and they, they, and that's fine. It's, it's, they're, they're doing ministry. They're using it as a, as a program in their church to, to help bring kids to the Lord. Absolutely. 
Okay, but we do it differently. We do it from a community side of things. So you've got three major events impact in the spring. You've got Windshape in June, and then you roll right into Jerusalem Project in July. Three major events that are all designed, again, to equip you, to help you identify your, your strengths, um, not just spiritually, but but also how can you serve? Like, what what do you have? Like, this podcast is a great example. I mean, it's it's something you enjoy doing, but this is a this is a great voice for the community, and it's a great yeah. way for you to take your talents as an interviewer and as a podcast to 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 help get the message out. Absolutely. Uh, like I, I don't know how many people probably never heard of me or or any of these other things. Yeah. Um, you're you're taking it as a platform. I now use uh, my ability with a camera to tell the story of of all of these uh, different things that we have going on. It's to share it with the with the rest of the world. That's amazing. Okay, so, but there are people that um, have different talents and different abilities. And then so we're going to equip you spiritually and we're going to help you walk through your, you know, everybody's everybody's in a different place uh, in their walk with the Lord. Some aren't there yet. Some are just starting. Some are veterans, you know, like, like me and some others. Um, so it's just designed specifically to help you in each. And then we've got to see you at the poll. Uh, yeah. In September, which is, huge. In September, which is another thing. So you've yeah. got these major things that other communities don't, don't have, at, have all. at all. That don't have at all. And I, I will. I've got to give a shout out to our school district. Yeah. Uh, for being so supportive of things like Windshape. You know, we we get to we get to be in the schools. Other communities, they they're they're not allowed to do any kind of uh, religious events on their school grounds yeah ours is in, ours is in jp gets to be we get to use the auditorium yeah we do Windshape gets the, we get the whole campus basically of school that's wild um so it's it's a beautiful thing that we have going on here that i really wish more people were aware of and and uh could recognize just how blessed we are in this community absolutely yeah. And uh, so I'd encourage you keep on keep on participating in, in all of these things. Uh, and, I, and I love when I see people step up into into roles. Uh, again, Windshape allows you to to volunteer and to walk and, and be kind of a, you know, an actual working part of, yeah. of the of the camp. Uh, Jerusalem Project as well. There's just so many great opportunities to stretch your legs in your faith. Great. Yeah. That's amazing. So this is this is my final question. I always ask sure. this to the guest, and it last week I asked this, and I got some great stuff. But you're probably one of the best people I could ask this to because you know you might have been where I've been before. You know, and just based off of our conversation today, you know, I've I'm someone I have a lot of good ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, I, well, hold on, let me backtrack. <laughs> I have a lot of ideas. Sure. I think a lot of them are good, but. I don't always, like, know how to get something done, but I just know I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just, I guess just for my life in general, you know, we talk about, you know, college and things like that. I have a lot of friends, you know, who are in college or out of college, and then I have people who are going into college. And just, you know, you hear a lot of different voices and a lot of different pressure sure. put on you. But uh, just for my life in general, you know, you talk about, you know, you don't know what 20-year-old knows exactly what they want to do. Well, I don't know exactly what I want to do at all. I know, and this is just a, this is where I'm at now. As far as like getting an income, you know, I want to, you know, have a family one day and I want to be able to do well with them. But 
like as far as an income, I love business. I love, you know, especially this last six months, I've gotten like really into it. I love like investments and, you know, real estate, you know, maybe doing, you know, something similar to what you do in a way. Uh, but things like that, uh, finances, but, um, yeah, don't get me started on stocks and crypto and everything else. Are you into that? Oh gosh. We'll have to have you on in a few months. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to do that again. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that later. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, I would love to get into that as for me. And then, uh, you know, there was a lot, you know, I've always been interested in, I guess, our country and the in government and I guess what you would call politics and things like that. And, you know, for a long time, I thought I would do that. I would be an elected official. I thought that would be the best way that I can have direct change and, you know, make the world a better place. And not saying that's not possible because I have some great friends who are in elected office and they sure. do phenomenal work. But I don't know, probably the last year, and I don't know if this is just me being cynical or what, it seems like it's it's become so divisive and so negative, mm-hmm. it's so hard to have actually good change, especially as someone as a Christian who tries to behave Christ-like without, you know, getting <laughs> being insane and things like that. You know, but so there was a long time I thought I would do that. But I know for a fact, I don't even call it, I wouldn't even call it a job. I don't know what it would look like, but I know I have to be in ministry somewhere. Whether that's sure. starting in a position at a church, whether that's starting, you know, my own, you know, organization or, or, or whatever like that. I know I have that. In college... I don't want to go to college. I'm not against it. I would just, I, I would feel, if I went to a four-year college and lived there, I would feel like I was wasting, not wasting my time. I feel like I wasn't being the best use of my time. You'd be stalling. Yes, I'll, I'll be like stalling. Like, let me pause four years and then I'll be a real person. But uh, I've got a little bit of stress about that sometimes. So what would be your advice for me? And this is probably the broadest I've ever <laughs> asked this question because usually it's like directly. But in terms of the podcast, in terms of my life, in terms of career, education, sure. faith, what would be your advice for me? All right. So so I've had this question many, many, many times, even with my own kids. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example of, of one where – I had someone who was another creative uh, who was working a job as a forklift driver, working third shift, uh, didn't go to college, uh, was working for FedEx, third shift. Um, I won't give any names because it, he's local. Um, he was a creative. He was using his camera to, to – he wanted to film. He was a very – he was an artist. You know, creatives, we, we're, we're kind of – I say we're built different. We just – a lot of times we think – different that's what makes us creatives yeah um which doesn't typically fit in the normal you know one two three mold uh and he was that he was outside of that mold convinced him to quit his, his parents <laughs> i convinced him to quit his job i, I said you're 20 you're, you know you're like 22 years old you still live at home this is the time of your life that you have the lowest overhead of yeah. your entire life quit your job go all in on being a creative and uh and he did his parents um yeah, they loved me. No, not really at all. Uh, but in it, after his first year being in, working for himself as a creative, he went from making 24000 a year as a forklift operator to $75,000 in his first year. Wow. Okay. It's not about the money. Oh, I think I know who this is now. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so it's not about the money, but it's about taking that leap and having having some faith. Yeah. Uh, but also, um, you know, he worked really, really hard. I mean, he worked really hard. He worked harder than he would have worked if he'd have worked at FedEx. Um, and he reaped the rewards. The financial end is not always the end means, but he still continues to work for himself uh, all these years later. Um, he has a side hustle job. He works um, somewhere uh, in Spartanburg. Again, if I start giving specific, we don't have there to, are many yeah, people who yeah. know who he is. But 
I've always had extra. I've always had a way to have income coming in, mm-hmm. but still flexibility enough to allow me to do what I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I guess my encouragement to you would be continue on your path, embrace being a creative. It's because you are creative. This this whole thing right here, it's amazing. You're yeah. doing a great job. Thank you. Okay, I want to encourage you. Thank Keep you. Keep going. There's nothing wrong with taking a uh, taking a job somewhere. Um, that's not necessarily projecting you towards an end game, but it's providing you with income. Okay, there's nothing wrong at all with that, uh, and I still do that. So you know, there's uh, there's benefits to having that safety net. Okay, um, yeah, I, I have to I have to be very careful of what kind of advice I give you because you know I don't want your parents to show up at pitchforks and they probably agree with you whatever you're saying. So, yeah, this is a this is a very kind of broad question, but I'd encourage you do something to get some income, but focus on your pat what you're passionate about and what the Lord's leading you to do. Sometimes you don't know what that is, and I say this goes against. I've had people tell me that I am absolutely wrong in this with this statement. I've had this statement before. I actually was at a meeting uh, of the young professionals in. Uh, Greenville, and I was at a roundtable discussion with the mayor of Anderson, and he and I were sitting there, okay. and I said, when they, I was asked the same advice, I said, don't say no, just try it, just do it, just, if someone asks you to do something, and it's outside of your comfort zone, do it anyway, you'll learn, and then if you realize you're like, that was a horrible experience, well, you know, I'm never going to do that again, uh, or sometimes you're like, you know what, I kind of nailed it, I kind of did good at that, I might be good at this. Um, that was always my philosophy. His philosophy was, you know, you got to say no. You got to do what you know what to do and do it. His was say no. I was like, say yes, say yes. to everything. Yeah, I agree. In your 20s, say yes to everything. Figure yeah. it out because you don't know exactly what is going to kind of yeah. kind of trigger that like, oh, my goodness, I'm, I might actually be pretty good at this. Yeah. You know, so – Try some things, all right. Get some side in, get some side hustle income coming in. Yeah. Get a job somewhere, um, because right. you know you you gotta have some income. Yeah. And then start learning and start figuring things out. I mean, you guys, oh my gosh, your generation. If I had the, oh my goodness, if I had YouTube and Google and all of this stuff growing up, man. I'd already be, I would have been way ahead of the game. You guys, I'm not going to, I'm going to sound like the old guy in the room, man. You guys have it so much easier. Oh, I know. Okay? Yeah. Um, you had to walk in the snow to school. To, no, I got oh you. my yeah. gosh. Chewing gravel backwards, uphill yeah. both ways, the whole thing. But you do have so much in the palm Absolutely. of your hand with these, with, with this phone right here in front of us, with mine right here next to me. Yeah. Um, you can learn anything, anything you want to learn how to do. Uh, so I would suggest... Um, learning, figuring out what you like, figuring out what you don't like is just as important. Keep some some money coming in, and uh, you'll get there. You'll get there. Man, that's amazing. Also, a question: How old were you when you got married? <laughs> I was um, in today's age. I guess I was fairly young. So uh, I was twenty three. Christy was twenty one. Okay, we were babies. We okay. didn't know what we didn't so you, know. What we didn't know. So you kind of grew together. Yes, very okay. much so. Yeah. That's awesome. We'll very much so. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I really uh, appreciate it. I've enjoyed it. Personally. Dude, look, uh, to your listeners, I'm a squirrel in a box, my friends. I am all over the place. I love it. That's um, what I'm saying. ADHD is real. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's fun sometimes. It is my superpower and my Achilles heel at the same time. I agree. Um, but thank you for having me on. I enjoyed it. This was fun. I'm glad to. Thank you so much. I appreciate you.